Why should people listen to you? Why should people take advice from you? Why should people pay you money for your services? What makes you so special, so qualified to advise or provide services in this area? If these are questions which have ever gone through your head, then this is the interview you need to listen to. I'm Jeremy Klein, and this is Change Work Life. Welcome to Change Work Life, the podcast that's all about beating the Sunday evening blues and enjoying Mondays again. I'm delighted this week to be joined by Missy Bain of missybain.com. Missy is a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, and we'll find out what that means in a moment. Uh, Missy has also worked in fashion, music, and photography. Missy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Let's start. What is a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner? So basically, I am a functional health coach, and people come to me when they're either a couple of different situations, either they're excited to take kind of proactively take control of their health because they see some history in their family, whether it's disease or illness or whatever it might be. And as we age, people start to think a little more about being proactive around their health. And they'll come to me and say, what do I need to be doing? I know I need to be taking supplements and exercising and eating right, but I don't even know where to start. And then I have clients that are like, I'm stressed. I'm not sleeping. My digestion is horrendous. I only go to the bathroom once a week or have some sort of health issue that pills and medication aren't helping when they go to their doctor and they come to me and say, I want to resolve these issues naturally. And that's when we kind of take a step back and can run some diagnostic testing or we can just make lifestyle changes. And I really kind of walk people through creating a health plan because at the end of the day, it's like a financial plan for your future. You know, we all want to age healthy. And so I give people sort of a blueprint together. We come up with an individual blueprint that will help them do that. So the the second category of person, the person who's been to the doctor and hasn't had any luck there, how do they know that you exist and that you that what you offer is the sort of help that they need? Well, that's a million dollar question. I do have some practitioners that I partner with that we refer patients to each other, but in the conventional medicine world, it's not overly accepted, kind of the functional wellness paradigm. So it kind of depends on the market, depends on where you are. But for me, a lot of what I do is social media because people don't know what they don't know. I try to get out there and just really teach and serve my client base. And not everybody is always ready or in a position where they need a health coach, but if they have sort of followed me or know me through someone else, when that time comes, I find that people are like, oh yeah, you've been on my radar for a long time. And now either I have a health crisis or I'm prepared mentally, emotionally, physically, whatever it might be to kind of take this on and kind of start down this road. We'll come on to how you got into this particular area, but can you take us back a little bit, talk about your earlier career? I mentioned sort of fashion, music and photography. Presumably those were kind of different rather than all at the same time. But can you talk a little bit about how you, you know, where you started out and how you've moved through your career so far? Yeah, definitely. Well, I worked in retail in high school and I fell in love with it. And I knew that's what I wanted to do with my life. There was college right in my town that had a wonderful program in the art school. And I got a degree in fashion merchandising. And then I went on to be a buyer for a large department store here in our town. And I was completely happy until they went out of business and merged with the company that was in Washington, D.C. And I didn't wasn't prepared to move to Washington at the time. So I found a buying job with Circuit 
Market City, which was an electronic retailer at the time. And I started buying music, which was really cool. It was really different from what I had done in the past. And that became, that environment became not exactly what I had really wanted long term. And an opportunity came up to be a music sales rep for EMI Music Distribution. And so I kind of pivoted there and took that opportunity to work from home and really changed, get myself out of that total like corporate environment. And it was a really cool job. I loved it. And then we had our second child and we decided as a family that I should stay home for a little bit because we had had a bad daycare experience with the first child. And so I, you know, I was a little antsy. I was struggling to make that shift from working and really loving what I did to kind of staying home and not feeling, I mean, I loved to be in a mom and loved all the things about that, but I knew I needed something else. My oldest was in a daycare situation that we loved. So we left her there while I stayed home and they didn't have a music program. And I knew that I wanted to start taking photography lessons just to kind of fulfill myself was something I had always loved, but I didn't have a camera. I was good friends with the owners. And I said, what if I like teach these little classes and get the parents to pay for it? I'll just come in once a week. And so I created this little business that I really was kind of actually funny because I don't sing at all. And hopefully I haven't damaged any children for life. And so I got enough money to buy a camera and then I just started photographing everything. And then I had friends that were calling me going, hey, I've seen some of your pictures that you did for your neighbor. Will you, can I pay you to photograph my kids? And I was like, huh, okay. And so it really kind of took a life a life of its own. It just kind of just started and snowballed. And it was really cool how that whole process kind of came alive. And then, so I ended up having a photography business for about 17 years. At one point, a few seasons in there, I was at a six-figure business. But the beauty of it and the blessing of that was that I was able to kind of stay home with my kids and raise them to the point that I felt not only fulfilled as a mom, but also as a business owner and in my career. About a year and a half ago, we moved to Seattle from Virginia. And And I knew it was time that that business had run its course. It was time for me to sell that business and kind of move on to my real love, which was functional wellness. And that's where my heart has been for the last five years, six years since I had a health crisis of my own. It was one of those things where I just didn't feel well after I had my first child and I would go to the doctor and they would say, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm fine, but I don't go to the bathroom at all. And he would give me a laxative or ideas for things to kind of do. And after about 10 years, I'm like, okay, this isn't right. You know, it was like, I would find something that would work for a minute. And then eventually I said, you know what? I'm not laxative deficient. There's something going on in my body. And finally at year 15, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired because I was toxic. Like my body, I knew my body was toxic by not eliminating the waste from it. And so I started digging into food sensitivities and food eliminations and just integrative medicine. And this whole world opened up before me that I'd never heard of or experienced. So I was able to kind of really shift my health by eliminating gluten and dairy because that's what was making me toxic. That was making me sick. But I was on my own to sort of figure that out. And so now I feel... And so I had about 
five years in there that I was doing both businesses. I was doing the photography business and the health coaching business. And so when we moved, that was kind of a really nice way to sort of sever, close that business, kind of sever that relate the relationships with people that I had because it was a little tricky. Like I had clients that were photography clients that knew that I was health coaching and they were like, um, what's happening here? <laughs> you know, like, can you be my health coach and my photographer? So for me, emotionally, it was nice to sort of have that kind of fine kind of defined, I guess, kind of cutoff point for that business. And when I closed it. Why did you decide to turn the functional health into a business? Because it's it's one thing, you know, doing something that helps you, but then it's quite another deciding that you're going to practice that as a business, especially if you're already in a successful business. Right. Well, yeah, it was interesting. Kind of like my photography business. People started asking me, what are you doing? You look great. Like I was losing weight. I had more energy. I was just felt like a better human. And I guess that was showing through. And so I had friends and neighbors that were like, what are you doing? And I told them and and they were like, well, I was exercising, was doing an online exercise program. I was eating healthier foods. And they were like, and the program that I was doing was one that they had sort of a, you know, kind of a, a roadmap for how to sort of run online little accountability groups. And so that's what I did. I jumped on Facebook and I was like, come join my accountability group. I had a group of ladies that were on Facebook and a close group with me and we would work out together and eat healthy together. And I would just kind of like try to keep them uh, motivated and encouraged. And then eventually once I found my certification, it's functional diagnostic nutrition program, I knew that I could sort of formalize my training around everything that I was doing and really help people. And I came to that program after probably about a year of searching because I knew there were health coaching programs out there that were sort of like, eat this, not that, exercise more. But I knew I wanted a diagnostic kind of piece of my business where I could run functional labs. We could kind of dig a little deeper than just lifestyle changes. With my FDN certification, I work under a medical director's license to run functional labs like stool testing, hormone panels, food sensitivity panels, you know, a little bit deeper than what the normal sort of health coach out there can do. I'd like to go back to, you've got these people who are saying, wow, you look great. And wow, what have you been doing? How do you get from that to just the, the first steps of starting a Facebook group for other people? Why do you kind of, rather than just taking the compliments and going, oh yeah, no, I, I tried this. This is really working for me. Why go a step further than that and actually take proactive steps to start helping people? Yeah. Well, I always work from home. I always had the interaction of the clients when I would photograph them, obviously, but it was a little bit isolating, especially certain times of the year where where my business was slower, like January, February, when the weather was gross. I had a lot fewer clients, photography clients that I worked with. And I think similar to now, like I craved that human interaction. Like I wanted to be in community with people. I wanted to have that sense of like, and I've always felt like I've had sort of a servant's heart. I think probably don't remember the exact details, but you know, maybe a couple of friends got some results from things that I was suggesting. and, And it was kind of this like cycle that kind of, I was like, wow, that felt really good to be able to help her because then she will go on and help her family. And that was pretty impactful to me to know that if I can help one woman that has three kids and is married, knowing that she will have a forever healthful impact on her family is 
pretty huge. And that was just got me really excited. And I thought, okay, I can make a business out of this, you know, and it, again, it was one of those things where it was just very, a bit informal and low key for a while. And then as things, as people were receptive and asked for more and encouraged me to kind of figure out what the market would bear and what was needed. Did you ever think about doing some kind of coaching or whatever in the photography space? So something that might satisfy the need for community and helping people out that was already in something where you'd already got this bank of expertise and having worked in it for 17 years? You know, that's interesting that you say that. I really never, never did because we can dig into this a little bit if you want to, but I have to say there, as a photographer, I was not formally trained. I did take a course at the time. I laugh about it now. The course, what are they called? Little cassette tapes. So I got this course like in this huge box in the mail. It was before the year 2000 and it was like these manuals and cassette tape recording. And that's how I taught myself or I, that was my first photography photography sort of course, which it's funny because now everything is online, but I wasn't formally trained. I didn't go to college for it. I didn't take it photography in high school. It was just, I sort of had a natural gift for it. And I think part of that was I had a natural gift for working with people. I was able to sort of make people feel comfortable. And when they were comfortable, they were much more photogenic because we can be a lot, we can be kind of tense when we're getting our photograph taken. It's not a comfortable situation. So I think those things paired, it just paired well with my personality. I always had this sense of like kind of imposter syndrome to some degree. I felt like a lot of the photographers that were out in the world were classically trained and they knew various precision methods of lighting techniques and all of the things. So in hindsight, I probably could have taught photographers how to market their business because I did that really well and I really loved that. But as far as, you know, actual training photographers, I always felt very insecure about that to some degree. As I'm saying that, I could probably look back on a lot of my kind of endeavors and see the struggle in the same way in some degree. Why didn't imposter syndrome stop you with doing the Facebook groups and things? Because am I right in saying that you hadn't kind of got formal qualifications by that stage? Yeah, I would say at that point, I felt like it was informal enough that there was no imposter syndrome. And at that point, nobody was paying me money, right? So I think that was probably the dividing line for me in feeling that because I even in what I'm doing now, early on, not as much now, every now and then I'll come in contact with somebody that's kind of doing what I'm doing at the higher level. And I kind of go inward a little bit and go, oh, maybe I need to go back and get a certification in XYZ. And I'll kind of go back to that kind of mindset. But early on, I felt like, you know, you're not paying me. So it's fine. I'm doing you a favor, right? So I think that's sort of why that wasn't didn't show up for me then. But I have to say every now and then, even now, it still show up occasionally. So even though you've now sort of got the qualifications and the backup and all that. Yeah, because there is so much training out there and our health is so complex. I can work with a client and then say, we start kind of peeling back the layers of a gut issue. And it turns out that they've got some autoimmunity going on. And I'm not an expert in autoimmunity. I know what it is. I understand it. I've done a lot of studying. I've done a lot of training, but I don't feel 100% confident that I want to take on somebody who has a really complex autoimmune case. Now I can partner with somebody else and I'm super happy to do that, but I'm not going to try to play a role in somebody's health that I am not qualified for. 
Okay, so I can see that. And that's actually extremely responsible, sort of, you know, recognizing where your limits are. I'm just wondering, are there other occasions where imposter syndrome has raised its head? And actually, it's been something where you are well placed to advise, or you are well qualified, or or that sort of thing, but you've still felt, yeah, but why am I the person who's saying all this? Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. When I was a music buyer, I got into that business kind of from because I had the buying experience, not because I had a music kind of background. And they're all the buyers that I worked with early on were industry experts, like they had worked in record stores their whole lives. They had been buyers at a store level, like at a small level. I was I had full on imposter syndrome them. And I'm like, okay, I know how to I know the retail buying part of my job, but I'm not an expert in music and the history of the music categories that I was buying. So it was definitely there in a big way for me in that job. And definitely early on after I got my certification, before I had some clients under my belt, I guess, there was definitely that sense of like, oh, can I do this? Maybe I need to get more training. And there was always something. There is always something. And I did. I went back and I got training in hormones. I got training in reviewing lab work, blood chemistry analysis. I did do that in, in smaller ways. I didn't do certification programs similar to what I'm doing now. But I felt like, but part of that was to me craving to learn a lot of these things. So it was a strange kind of dividing line between is it imposter syndrome or is it that I really do want to learn this and better serve my client? I would say I haven't mastered that or kind of buried that sensation or feeling every now and then. Like I said, it'll kind of pop it, it'll rear its ugly head and I have to kind of sort of say, okay, where is this coming from? What's What else is going on that's making me feel this way? Have you found either when you were in music industry or in your current profession that as well as popping up in your head, imposter syndrome has affected your behaviors? Are there things that you either have or haven't done because of having this feeling of being an imposter? That's a really good question. That's probably something I should inventory. I don't know. I feel like it has to, right? I feel like it probably has had to in the past in some way. Probably when I work with a new client, I do a 30-minute consultation just to see if we to find out what's going on, but also kind of tease out whether we're a good fit to work together. And so I imagine early on, my sort of presence or confidence was probably at a different level than it is now when I meet with a client. So I imagine, and that I'm sure that has to kind of tell the client something as well, right? Like if you're talking to somebody and you don't feel confident that what they're telling you or offering you is truly what you need, you may or may not get that client. (laughs) You know, they may or may not trust you or feel that sense of, well, she can help me. So I imagine that that's probably how it probably showed up for me. But that's a really great, great question. I need to need to mull that over and give that some thought for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's a feeling of not being good enough or not being worthy. It's something that comes up quite often. But one thing I haven't really explored is, aside from having that feeling, what has it done? How has it manifested itself? Has it prevented someone from doing something? Has it meant that they've done something with less confidence than they otherwise would have done? Does it mean that they've taken a different decision to one that they might have done? So yeah, that's kind of why I was um, digging into it. And I guess when you're starting out something quite new, particularly in the medical space, then you're almost inevitably going to think, wow, I just there's just so much knowledge out there that I don't know that you're inevitably going to get a feeling of that when, when you start to see new clients. 
Yeah, totally. And I kind of thinking back as you're talking, I have to say, because I communicate so much through social media, as far as just trying to educate people, but also it's a way that I get, I communicate with clients and people will refer clients to me early on in social media. I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot put myself out there. I do not want to tell my story. And at one point I had a business coach and she was like, Missy, people want to know, like, and trust you. And the way that they do that is they know your story and your story could be their story. And we, I think we probably all hear that probably in some way if you're a business owner, but at the beginning, that was so painful. Like I just didn't want to do that. And part of that was probably some imposter syndrome, but some of that is just feeling vulnerable and just feeling like I'm going to get judged and all the things that sort of kind of swirl around inside of all of that. I'm really pleased that you mentioned the business coaches because I was going to ask you whether you'd had any specific business coaching. So what led you to get business coaching in the first place? Well, when we moved and I closed my photography business, I really knew I needed to sort of take a step back and take a breath and figure out like long-term what I wanted for my business. And also feeling like it was sort of a reset, reboot for my health coaching business. The timing was perfect. And I actually jumped on an opportunity to do some business training in San Diego right before I moved. And so I was able to do that training and then head up to Seattle. And it was really just sort of a, it was motivating in the sense that I felt like I was kind of restarting and reshaping who I wanted to be in that business. A lot of the business coaching that I was doing was talking about getting your message out, getting on stages, meeting people in person, that kind of networking type of situation. But a lot of it too was, and I met with this coach for 12 weeks, once a week for 12 weeks. And one of the things that she had me do, because we kind of drilled down to what my, some of my insecurities were, and she had me put a note in my phone that popped up every single day that said, and I should pull it up for you and and read it out loud, but it said, basically, you're enough. And everything that you know is enough to help the people that you want to help. And it basically just kind of re, we were hoping to sort of reprogram whatever negative thoughts that were coming through my brain. (laughs) Neuroplasticity is a real thing. And so we can retrain those thought patterns and a hundred percent it worked for me. Now, again, am I, do I think that all the time? Probably not. I, I think it probably creeps back in here and there, but it was just one little kind of silly little tool that really, really shifted things for me. And among other things, that was not the only thing we worked on and that came out of it, but that was pretty big. When you started the coaching, did you know that that was something that you needed help with or did it come out as part of the coaching process? No, I had no idea. Well, probably intellectually, I probably did, but emotionally, no, that was just, but I think that that's probably why I was drawn to this coaching program because that was part of, I knew that was what they were going to teach me was to kind of reshape some of that. It wasn't just about the blue ocean and red ocean. It was in business and the whole thing. It was really about how you feel about your business and what you're putting into the world. And I think that's pretty huge because I don't think there's a lot of, at least when I was researching, looking for programs, I don't think that is a big part of what a lot of business coaches teach. I don't know. I could be wrong. So blue ocean and red ocean? I didn't understand that reference. What's that about? The red ocean is sort of where everybody sort of is in your industry. So for me as a health coach, how I can differentiate myself from the red ocean is to kind of make my message specific to what I bring to a client. 
So if most of the health coaches out in the world are saying, I don't know, I'm just making this up. If most of the health coaches in the world are all saying, here's what you can get as a result from working with me, either lose weight or whatever it might be. But my to put myself into a blue ocean and differentiate myself from what's going on in the mainstream in that market is saying, okay, this isn't just about losing weight. It's about getting healthy. So when you work with me, we're going to think about aging healthy and being healthy long-term. And hopefully the end result of some of that will be yes to lose weight, but that's not what your priority can be or should be. It's really about preventing disease. So it's really just kind of creating a message around differentiating yourself and really setting yourself apart from what others in the market are doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Thank you for that. I've not heard it sort of expressed in those terms before. Yeah. And I can't pull out the person's name and this wasn't, I worked with David Bear and he's wonderful, but I don't think he didn't come up with that. That's been around for a long time, but I can't pull out of my brain right now, like who developed that concept, but I think it's pretty, it's talked about out there in the whole marketing, business marketing world. When you were looking at getting business coaching, what sort of the, were the one or two things that you kind of went in thinking, this is what I want help with? Well, I knew that I had been saying kind of the same things to one-on-one clients for a really long time, as far as just kind of foundational health and wellness kind of stuff. I knew that I wanted to create an online program and I sort of had the content to some degree. And so I just wanted some guidance, like how do I physically do this? How do I market it? And I really wanted somebody to hold me accountable. Like I wanted some type of program to say, okay, hold my hand while I walk me through doing this. Cause it was very, it was a brand new kind kind of concept as far as like online courses, online marketing, and there's so much to it. It's very overwhelming to kind of go out there and tackle it on your own. So I knew that I sort of wanted that help and accountability was my initial kind of thought. And was this a coach who specialized in your particular industry or was that was it more general than that? He actually is more general than that, but I had met him and came in contact with him at a conference that was functional health practitioners. When I heard him speak, I knew, in fact, I had already signed up, which is really interesting. I'd already signed up with a pretty high, high, high ticket coach earlier in that conference. And then when I heard him speak, I'm like, no, this is what I need. So it's kind of crazy. Their offerings were different. So I felt okay about it, but I jumped in both feet first and it was a really good investment for sure. Were you expecting to buy some sessions of coaching at that particular conference? I mean, were you already kind of like a, a warm buy or, or was this just kind of an opportunistic thing? Well, I think probably, like I said, it was right before I moved and I knew that I wanted to figure out how to sort of reset and reboot my business. So I went into that conference 100% just going to surround myself with like minded people and just learn, just learn anything. But then when I got there and I heard these kind of business coaches talking about the training that they provide, I was like, wow, this is exactly what I need to reboot and sort of reset my business. Yeah, I had no idea, had no idea going into it that that's what I needed or that I would put that type of investment into that conference, (laughs) basically. So what what sort of a reset were you looking for? I mean, you mentioned having changed locations, but presumably you could sort of pretty much carry on as you were in a different location. So what sort of reset were you after? Well, the reset was probably twofold. I wanted to sort of reset my business and really refocus on like, okay, who's my ideal client? Who am I focusing on? What's my messaging? What's my brand? Kind of a total, not a makeover necessarily, but just really refocusing. But part B of that was I was resetting sort of my mindset around my business. 
I had run two businesses for five years. At that point, I still had a child in high school that was played year-round volleyball that I was sort of, she had finally gotten her driver's license, so I wasn't running her all over the world anymore. But I had been running around with my hair on fire for probably a good six or eight years. And I was just ready to sort of take a minute, you know? So it was probably multifaceted for sure. And what do you think or hope your business will look like in, say, five years' time? Ooh, five years' time. I would love to have online resources that if somebody comes to me and says, I know I need what you're offering, where do I start? That I have sort of a a 101 starting point, like a foundational starting point, which is what I'm trying to birth into the world right now. And then there'll be different levels. So if somebody says, okay, I've got all of these things sort of figured out, they're part of my lifestyle, part of my daily habits. Okay, now I really want to take it up a notch and dig in and really shift my health in XYZ facet or whatever. I would love to be able to have a lot of offerings that they could sort of just drop into. And then to work with me one-on-one would be sort of a, either like a mastermind type of business model or kind of get away from the one-on-one a little bit and more small group. I love the idea of that. So that's sort of long-term what I'm thinking. And how does that sort of fit in with what we were talking about earlier and your sort of your want to need to be around people and help people and and that sort of thing? Do you at all perceive a risk of kind of diluting that if the group coaching or the, the, you know, the, the stuff where you're in the room is less than it is now? No, because I think the process still includes me. Like I'm still there. It's just not as handholding. It helps people sort of go out and decide, are you ready to make this change? Because what I don't want is I don't want somebody to invest in time with me and they're not mentally, emotionally, physically ready. By being in sort of a foundational program, an online type of environment, I've had people say, you know what? I wasn't ready when I signed up, but I was ready three months later and I came back to it. Or whatever it might be, they still have access to it and they can kind of, they're not pressured because a lot of times if people are pressured into doing things that they're not ready to do, they'll just kind of walk away from it altogether. But I'm still there. I'm still there on a weekly basis where they're seeing me, talking to me, they can ask me questions, they can jump in to our online group, that kind of thing. So it's not like I'm not still kind of holding their hand a little bit, but it's up to them as to how often and what that sort of looks like. And what about long-term goals? I mean, is this, is your intention with this business that you're going to build it up to something that you might pass on? Is this something to keep you going until you decide that you want to retire? Or, or is this kind of, no, this is my vocation. I'm going to do this as long as I'm physically able to do so. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I will work forever. (laughs) At least that's my kind of how I feel right now. I love working. I always strive for balance, work-life balance, of course, but when you're actually helping someone shift, make shifts in their life and health, it's just profound. I can't imagine doing anything more fulfilling. It just really fills me up. And it's multifaceted for me because I get that satisfaction of being able to help people. I provide some income for our family, but I also am learning. Like I'm just a forever student, like I will never quit learning. And especially in this world that we live in right now and just everything we're finding out in the world of functional medicine, it will never end. (laughs) You know, we'll always be able to learn something new, which is pretty incredible. On the journey so far, I mean, you mentioned the business coaching. Have there been any resources you found particularly helpful in your journey, books, quotes, courses, anything like that? 
there's not one thing that I can really put my finger on that I would say, oh yeah, that was sort of the end all be all for me. I would say it's always been accumulation of things. So if there's something that I'm trying to learn or try to educate myself on, I always go to podcasts first. I love podcasts. It's just the way I like to take in information and learn. I only read at night. So it ends up being like 30 minutes before I actually fall asleep. So it takes me a good while to get through a book. Unless it's something that I know is like I can't put down or I'm going on vacation or whatever. But I would say podcast for sure. There are people that I enjoy listening to just for functional wellness. But like last week, I'm kind of digging into getting my program out into the world and I'm working on a funnel. And so I listened to a podcast about email funnels and I was like, oh, I learned so much. I just, I love that format for just constantly consuming information. And if people want to find out a bit more about you and get in touch with you, where's the best place for them to go? My website is missybain.com. M-I-S-S-Y-B-A-N-E.com. And then on social media, all variations of Missy Bain. So Missy.Bain on Instagram, Missy Bain FDNP, which is my certification on Facebook. But I'm out in the world. You can find me through Google too. Cool. I will link to all those in the show notes. Missy, it's been fascinating hearing about your journey. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Okay. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Missy Bain of MissyBain.com. It was really interesting listening to Missy expressing how she'd had doubts at various stages in her career about whether people would take her seriously, whether people would conclude that she was someone who was worth listening to, someone who knew what they were talking about. Clearly, having now got qualifications in the area in which she practices has made her much more comfortable. But it was really interesting hearing her describing her doubts, particularly in the area of photography, where she said she'd had a number of years experience, and yet still she didn't feel that she was necessarily the person to teach others because she didn't have particular qualifications. And yes, I can see how having qualifications does give you a certain amount of credibility, but I do wonder whether it necessarily means that you know any more, that you're better equipped to advise people on a particular area. There's this idea that to be an expert on a particular subject, you only really need to be a couple of pages ahead of the person that you're teaching. You'll find the show notes for this episode, as usual, on the website at changeworklife.com forward slash 62. And whilst you're there, it would mean so much to me if you would leave a review. Reviews really are the lifeblood of podcasts. They just help people find podcasts so much more easily. And so if you would leave a review for this podcast, it would be a great help to me. And also, if you haven't already, make sure you do subscribe. We've got some great interviews coming up still. There's loads more to talk about in this area, even after 60 plus interviews interviews. So do take that device out of your pocket, hit subscribe and never miss a future show. We've got some great interviews coming up, including one about coaching as a concept. What is coaching about? Why is it worth considering it? It's something that clearly Missy had found useful for her. But how can coaching help you? That's one of the things we're going to be discussing in the next week or so. Um, so do subscribe and I can't wait to see you in the next episode. Cheers. Bye. Bye.